Hello, and welcome to the Bubbly and Baseball podcast, hosted, as always, by Ed Hand and Bailey Von Schneider. If you love drinking sparkling adult beverages, and you also happen to love baseball, then we would love for you to join us every Sunday. So, without further ado, here are Bailey and Ed. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bubbly and Baseball. I feel like we've rebranded from the bubbly aspect of things because but I still like the name, it's catchy, and don't worry, I'll eventually drink some some more bubbly as we go on. It will it will happen. It's it will it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. So we're just we're taking a, a little back from the bubbly and the whole world is taking a back from Major League Baseball just because what's going on? Fuck. I hate it. I, I, I hate it so much. These 15-minute meetings are, like, driving me insane. It's like, what are you doing? Are you just going in, like, kind of just being pissy and then leaving? Because, like, that's not negotiating. That's, I believe it's called throwing a tantrum? Yeah. Oh. It's... Like, you get, for me, like, I get so hyped up before these meetings, too. It's like, oh, boy, they're going to talk. Maybe there's going to be progress today. And then it's, like, 15 minutes of just, like, everybody on either side screaming, go fuck yourself at each other. Like, it's... That's pretty I, I much it. what it is, and it's it's so frustrating, especially when we got the news that they're, I mean, obviously, spring training was going to be postponed because, like, or pushed back because, like, hello, we're supposed to be in it right now, yeah. um, and they said that no matter what happens, if they start negotiating, they come to something that March 5th, I believe they said, would be the beginning because they, they believe that would then give them enough time so it would put the we'd probably still be delayed we probably wouldn't start on march 31st but we'd probably be early april which is still which is still fine for me uh, i believe you know that we'd be able to have uh, a, a 162 it's just a matter of uh, them getting their shit together and we'd see no progress on that none none whatsoever um so they're going to be meeting every day next week which is good. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, John Henry and some of the other owners mm-hmm. are going to be flying in. A bunch of the players are going to be flying in. And it's easy to say, you know, okay, well, where was this a month ago when maybe they should have been negotiating? But it's sort of like they've just been playing this game of chicken until now. And the question that you have to have is, is the game of chicken ending here? Is somebody going to blink or is this going to drag out? I don't think we're going to lose the entire season. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, A, not enough to gain financial. There's just too much to lose financially for everybody oh, on this one. 100%. Two, baseball's 162 games. So this isn't like basketball where you lose six, like two months and you actually lose a significant portion of the season. You can lo- We can lose another few months over this and still have like a season that was longer than 2020, which I yes. really hope it doesn't come to. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset if it uh, comes down to that. And I think, but I think, I don't know. I don't know if I think that baseball, like MLB, is aware of this. I don't. I think the uh, like MLBPA seems to be a bit more conscious of where the fans are, or at least they're certainly more active on Twitter and yes. like interacting with the fans. So I think that to an extent they kind of realize it a little bit more. But you know, they're not the ones that are um, holding the keys here, though. Like uh, MLB made the choice to want to have control over the process. They didn't want the players to potentially strike. That's why they chose to uh, 
lock players out. And, you know, they decided that the, uh, the PR, and they knew that they had to know that they were going to take a hit. They chose to take that PR hit rather than not have control over it and to not have the lockout. So, you know, it's... Yeah, it's just so it's frustrating, tough. especially because, you know, you always get the millionaires versus billionaires. And I I feel like it's so hard for me to ever be on the side of Major League Baseball because MLB is, like like you said, they're the ones that are locking the players out. They're the, you know, and like you know, some people will say like, Oh, well, they've, they've given in a bit, you know, the Universal DH. Of course they wanted the Universal DH. You think they didn't want that? No, that's gonna open up. Yeah, and the idea of like, oh, they're gonna have to spend more money. Like, they want to have the best players. You, you know, you want that availability for your team. And by allowing, you know, a pitcher not to hit in the ninth spot, and you have like, that allow, that opens up Every team to be like, oh, we can trade for J.D. Martinez if we want, or we can sign Kyle Schwarber, like that, and that allows the players to be more excited about something like that too, because there's just more, there's more teams to go to, and it's opening the like opening it up a little bit more, and uh, so it's like the idea of like, oh, Major League Baseball has given in, and the players haven't. Like, what do the players have to give into? What we've heard, the players. Everything that they they want is, to, in my opinion, very reasonable. It has to do with control for a lot of it. It has to do with maximizing the finances. Um, I can't. I'm not quite as gung ho as like, well, the player give the players everything they want. Some of the player requests, I'm a little bit like. I don't know enough about that to really have an informed opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that the length of the arbitration system, like six years, is – I actually think that that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that the issue for me is more of um, manipulating the playing time, like what – you know, like we've yes, with Chris Bryant and people. I don't like that there's no – um, reward. There's no. There's no reason to bring a guy up at the beginning of the season. You know, like why you're going to miss an entire year from them. So what's the harm in trying somebody else out there, like a free agent or something like that? And then if they completely bomb, you know, you keep. Uh, and then you bring up the super prospect. There's just. There's no reason not to. Uh, not to do that. So I. That bothers me more so. But I think that there's some kind of. You can find a compromise for that. I think the idea of there being a bonus pool for, uh, like, rookie players that uh, perform or guys within their first, uh, you know, their first three years that haven't hit arbitration yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, like, but again, it's more of, like, there has to be some semblance of compromise in it, though. Like, you know, I think if it were up to the owners, like, free agency wouldn't exist and that the players would, uh, you know, would be maybe worst case scenario, maybe worst case scenario for them ideally would be like, oh, well, we have to pay them more if they're MVP or something. But yeah, it's um, I, I do understand to an extent where the owners come from, but I think that that's it's also like. The owners these days, they just aren't really baseball people, it seems like. Like, there aren't, like, I know that, like, Red Sox fans aren't gonna like this, but the Steinbrenners actually need the Yankees. Like, financially. That's what they've made their money off of. You don't have a lot of teams where the finances are like their breadwinner. You know, like, look at John Henry. Like, he, like, owns, like, you know, like the, the Fenway group or whatever. They just bought a hockey team. They've got a soccer team. Like, all that stuff. You lose, you know, you lose the profits from baseball. It's not great, but it's, like, not your whole universe. Um, 
Yeah, it's think, so yeah. true. No, I agree completely, especially where you come from. The the Steinbrenner angle is that Steinbrenner brought bought the Yankees, I think, in the seventies for like twenty million dollars, and the Yankees were not good then when he bought them and you know he is a big reason like he's there for the you know the the dynasty of the Yankees granted they they still had the most championships and that but like there was like a a short like a long period of time where they just didn't win anything and if it weren't for Steinbrenner like who knows where the Yankees would be but you're right like that was a man that had money had enough money to invest in the Yankees but didn't have the money to like right now there's billions of dollars to purchase these things. Somebody like Steinbrenner was rich, but wouldn't have been billions rich to buy these teams. Now, now he has the most expensive franchise. And if he sold them instant, like, you know, instant billionaire for the Steinbrenner family, but you're right. The Steinbrenners are all about baseball. Whereas like you have somebody who diversifies their portfolio, um, like John Henry, or you have a Cohen who just buys it and turns it into MLB the show. Cause he can't, I kind of I, I I want more owners like Cohen if anything. I, I kind of He's like that fan. he was just like, here's money, guys. It means nothing to me. Here you go, Max. Here's here's yeah. forty three million dollars. You uh you almost forty year old pitcher. It's gonna be great. Yeah, no, I I'd love to be rich enough that I'm just like I want Max Scherzer on my team, and you know what? I'm gonna get him. I'm getting him because nobody else is going to get him. I have more money than all of you. I can build the team the way I want it because he is a fan. He, his money's elsewhere. His money isn't to be made in the New York Mets. He's having fun and he's having the best seat he possibly can. Uh, you know, like yeah. just that, you know, he gets to watch games and, you know, throw the money out and enjoy it. Whereas all of his money is elsewhere. So you're right. The, these, these men's money uh, are in other places. Yeah. And it's, I wonder how a lot of like the like the GMs feel about all this stuff, like your Blooms and your Cashmen, and uh, you know, like about these trade. Like, because do you think like how do you think that the guys building these teams feel about like the soft luxury cap that is the uh, the uh, competitive bargaining tax or the sorry the you know what yeah. I mean the competitive whatever tax mm-hmm. I forget what it actually stands for yeah. competitive balance tax balance yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it is, and that's what it is. It is a soft, it is a soft look, uh, like uh, salary cap. Yeah, no, for for truth. Um, with somebody like Bloom, who comes from like a Tampa Bay method and the way that he does things, I don't know necessarily the idea of like, oh, I can only spend this much before you know we're penalized type of a situation if it bothers him versus somebody like a Dembrowski who just spends and and trades. You know, it's like interesting that you just have so many different models of what a general manager is today when like the pretty much Dombrowski is like the old school method and it works. It worked in 2018, but it doesn't work for like sustaining that. Whereas we can see that sustainable winning the Tampa Bay method works, whether or not it's Tampa Bay who doesn't spend the money, unfortunately, but you, they still are competitive versus uh, the Dodgers, who are, you know, the Tampa Bay of the West Coast, where they spend the money and they win championships, you know? I just thought of an absolutely horrible metaphor for oh, it, God. but Dombrowski is going to give you the best the best sex session of your life, mm-hmm. but then he's never going to see you again, whereas Bloom's going to give you a good one, and he's going to keep coming back, and you're going to keep getting something mildly satisfying every, like every night. I like that. That's, that's like a that good is, way of thinking of it. Yeah. Like that's yeah, sort it's kind of, of like the best sex of your life guys in prison, you know, that, yeah. that whole thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> like if we're if we're doing a Mary Fuck Kill here, I'm yeah. Mary and Bloom, but I am fucking Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. 
I don't yeah. know who I'm killing. I don't know who the third option is. Right, yeah. Who, who, yeah, who is that third option? Um, but no, you just have, and then you have fans that like, I think a lot of Boston fans like the idea of a Dembrowski because he brings in, you know, a David Price. He does a trade for a Craig Kimbrell. Like, he does these flashy things. Oh, my God, but the fans hated all of these guys. Which is hysterical to me. It's like he went out and the, you still get the fans that are like, oh, I wish, you know, like, oh, Dombrowski would have, like, he would have done that big trade at the deadline. When, you know, the funny aspect is that the best bat at the deadline, you know, Bloom got. But, you know, we just Schwerber forget. was awesome for the Red Sox. I want him back. Sorry, I don't want, I don't mean to cut yeah. you off there. but No, yes. absolutely. He's like, I, I, yeah, I want him back, especially, but I, I don't, yeah, no, sorry, I just got <laughs> No, no, I agree with you. I want Schwarber back, especially knowing that the Universal DH exists because he's younger than, uh, you know, he's younger than Martinez. Martinez is either going to be traded or he's just walking at the end of uh, oh, yeah. which is totally fine. But Schwarber give, and Schwarber has a little more versatility, I think, than, um, than JD has yeah. too. Schwarber can play the field, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's it'll be nice when we can actually like that week. Whatever it happens when this ends, that week is going to be amazing. Where yes. like, oh, it's, it's going to be crazy. There's going to be so many trades. It's just going to be absolutely bonkers. So many signings, just movement, movement, movement. It's going to be like the night. Remember the week before the lockout started? That was awesome. Yes, I love that. Was that was so fun. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely going to feel like that. It's going to feel like NFL free agency where everybody seemingly just gets signed in like a day. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, this stuff can work this quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially because we're, it's going to be interesting to see the, the time period of what they have to, you know, complete their rosters by certain things, which is, it's absolutely insane to me. Cause just think about it when this lockout finally does end and then you're like, okay, you have a week. And then it's like, oh yeah. Like, Carlos Correa, you're going to sign here, and then you're going to have to be at spring training, like, the next day. Yeah. Oh, God, the poor, the merchandise teams and, like, the advertising teams oh. are just going to have to, like, like, those shirts aren't going to make themselves, you know? No. Overnight, just, like, hustling, making, like, the Correa jerseys for wherever he ends up. And uh, who the hell knows now? Because, I, like, I was I was banking on him going to Detroit, and then that's where Baez is. So. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no reason I like, can't get both and just have Baez play second base, but... That would be, imagine if the fucking Tigers have Baez and Correa, I'd be like, what is happening right now? I don't want Correa on my team, so I just don't I want to have to root Correa for him. I love Correa as a player, player, though. So, like, oh, if he comes good. to the Red Sox, I'm going I'm to be fine with it, you know? Yeah, I just, I, I find him difficult to root for, and he gets hurt a lot, and he's, I'm sorry, he's really not as good as his reputation. Like, when you look at the free agency market this year, he wasn't, he wouldn't be my top shortstop of guys that were here, that were available. I'd take Marcus Semyon over him. I'd take Corey Seager over him. From a talent level, though, I think it's just, the problem is, I think, as you talk about the injury, I don't think we've seen really the, the true Carlos Correa. I think at a talent level, I'd take him over a Seager or a Semyon. Like, Semyon also kind of just, put it together recently and he's old. So I don't know if I trust that it's going to translate into him actually being this good moving forward. I know? disagree with that. I think this is the second time Semyon's finished in the top three for MVP. Mm, he's hit in the know. past. He's hit oh, in the yeah. past. I don't know. I just, he's getting old. That's my thing. Yeah. No, I just don't trust old. I would say with Correa though, if he's getting hurt as much as he has, and he's not even 27 yet, do you think that, he's going to be able to, that's going to get better as he gets older? I don't know. If you look at somebody like um, Nathan Avaldi, Nathan Avaldi has been, knock on wood, 
healthy for like maybe the first time ever and he's getting older and he's figuring things out like as he's like dealing with the injury. So I don't know. Evolve's a good Evolve is a good example, but I just don't think Semien's as good as I think some of the numbers in Toronto will lead you to believe. Especially the home runs are gonna go way down. He played most of that stuff in a Mickey Mouse ballpark. You know, and now he's got to go to Arlington and that big behemoth. So yeah, he hit 33 homers with the A's. I know you, you know? like him, but I wasn't going to give him that kind of money. No, I didn't think. He, I was surprised he got seven years. I just yeah. um, of for Why? the guys right now, he was my favorite of them. Oh no, but, he's, um, he's good. I'm not not saying yeah. that, but also the the amount of money that Seager got too was insane to me too. So yeah. we'll just be seeing what the rest of these guys are going to be getting because shit. Yeah. Just um, to your to your example of Evaldi, though, I think that there's a difference between shortstop and pitcher there. I actually think that pitchers tend to Get they they, they hit their prime a little later. It seems like you don't I, at least like when you look at like these guys who have had these awesome careers, like guys like Verlander, Clemens, mm-hmm. now Scherzer, like. They seem to get better as they get older. Yeah, Verlander was a weird one though, because there was like a, a couple seasons of him just not being good, and yeah. then like. Figuring it out again. Like, it was weird that there was, like, great, whatever, great again. Yeah. Whereas, like, like I, I will definitely give you the idea of at least, like, you know, somebody like Scherzer figuring things out later in to sustain his ability to be at an elite level pitching. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Verlander, the ebbs and the up and down of Verlander is kind of strange. Yeah, he's had um, a very interesting career. I just wonder if there's, like, an example of a shortstop who got better like, not just with his health, but, like, offensively as his career Probably went not. on. I mean, like, usually sometimes, I mean, you just, the body breaks down. Yeah. But somebody, like, I mean, like, I feel like with Evaldi, it's almost like it's a new friggin' elbow, because it's been two Tommy Johns. He's about, like, what, three years separated from the last Tommy John. It's almost like he's pitching with, like, a whole new, you know, a whole new elbow, which is kind of something that we can hope maybe with Chris Sale in 2022 can also be, like, Oh shit! Like this is a, a brand new elbow. You're gonna. It's making that. I think eventually, if Sale can pitch to what we know, that deal is gonna. Like that's gonna look like a steal, comparatively speaking, to what some of these other people are getting that pitch at an elite level. Yeah, Sale. I mean, I think everybody knew he was gonna get hurt at some point in that contract. Just emotion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just and how hard he throws, how much he, how dependent he is on his slider. It, yeah. it had to happen at some mm-hmm. point. Um. But it but, happened in 2020 is all I can say. Yeah, what thank you for that. Yeah. Perfect timing for yeah, that. Yeah, you got us Marcelo Meyer. Thank you, Chris Sale. Thank you. Yeah. yeah um, do you think that, um, and this is before we go into, like, our main topic for today. I have one last mm. question now that we're yeah. there. Like, do you Would you want the Red Sox to saw, re-sign Evaldi after his contract ends? Yeah, I would. And I was 100% one of the people that was like, you're going to give him this contract coming off of 2018, feeling that it was sort of the idea of, like, something, like, reactionary. Like, oh, he did so well for us. Now we're just going to turn that into all of this money that I was like, do we deserve that? Now you look at $17 million, you're like, oh, my God, this is definitely a steal. Finishing fourth in the Cy Young, I thought he should have finished top third. He had the best um, – he had the best – pitching war he had the best uh fielding independent pitching it like he was absolutely incredible in 2021 so I would love it and he seems to really like it here him and his wife are the Jimmy Fund um captains so I'm I'm just like that's one thing I'm saying hey Nate 
Like, we want you back. Like, what are we thinking price-wise? <laughs> like, where are we? Are we are we close to it? You know, like, let's keep you in Boston. I would absolutely love that because if you have him and Sale moving forward and then you have some of our younger pitchers maybe come into their own and you make a free agent signing, I, I think we have the makings of potentially having, like, a really good starting rotation moving in 2022 and beyond if you if you keep someone like Evaldi. So... It, it's interesting because I'm with you to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if the price is right, yeah, sure. I I was also one of the people who was like, wait, wait why are you guys giving him this extension? And I was 100% that person. Opposite, I'm with you. I have the opposite view of you on this, and that my opinion is it's like when you're gambling and you've won a bunch of money, but then you stay in with it to keep trying to get that money. I'm like, yeah. um. Maybe this is the time to cash out. That's uh because it's like, okay, he's had two Tommy John surgeries, he's been relatively healthy the last two years. But every each year the odds get worse that he's gonna be able to stay that that way. So like how long do you play those odds for? And that has to do with like, you know, the kind of deal you get you give him. No, I agree. And I feel like Bloom is smart enough to understand all of that as well and be like, this is what we want to offer you. If you think you can get more from somewhere else, then you know, because I'm also that person that's like, I come from like, if this is more than a fair offer, I'm never mad at the GM. Like, I'm I'm never going to be like, oh, okay. Like with the Lester, that was a low ball. You that get was, mad at yeah. ownership. Like if you if you see that something comes out and you're like, oh my god, that was way more than a fair deal. Good luck to you wherever you want to go. And good luck to you getting a couple more million. Uh, so, yeah, like, at the end of the day, Mookie Betts wanted 65 more million. He wanted more than that, but because of the pandemic, 65 more million is what he got from the Dodgers. And every happiness to you. You were in Southern California. You have 65 more million dollars than the Red Sox offered you. And who who knows what the state of the Dodgers is going to be. They already proved that they couldn't afford or didn't want to afford to keep Seager. We'll see when some of their other young stars come up. Yeah. And maybe Mookie Betts is the aging superstar on a, on a team that can't afford anybody else. So I yeah. think what the Red Sox did was smart. We offered you 10, 300. You didn't want it. Fine. Bye. <laughs> Something that I cite that you have said frequently also is that Mookie's really the first guy that they threw all that money at. Mm-hmm. So I, I just never, I never feel good about those super contracts. Like, I'm I, sure it feels great when you get the guy. Red Sox, oh, like, yeah. I remember when they got Manny Ramirez, like, that was awesome, but. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, when they signed David Price, that was awesome. But, like, it's also interesting that these guys always get traded. They never end the contract out. You're right. You're actually 100% correct on that. And, uh, yeah, and then when you go back and look at, like, the scheme of things and, uh, how much money is to be made more now to what Manny's deal was, was like, ha, 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 money-wise compared to what these guys are making now. But obviously oh, yeah. the landscape of baseball has changed. Right. But it's so funny. Manny's was like, what, $180 million deal? Yeah, and that was the huge best. at the time. Yeah, it was huge at the time. He was the best hitter in, in MLB. Uh, so of course you're gonna pay him and you want him to be on your team, but now like that translates into like 13, 12, 13, 365, you know, yeah. which is insane to me. Completely reasonable deal. Woo! Yeah. So on that note with Manny, um, our topic for today that we wanted to go into since there isn't a lot of baseball news to go over, um, is just, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward. Just some of our play favorite players growing up. Uh, now we, as you know, grew up, uh, Red Sox fans and, a lot of these guys played for the Red Sox. Um, in my case, not 
quite as not for quite as long, but I did enjoy their stops in Boston, even if maybe mm-hmm. other people didn't. Um, <laughs> do you want to start on this, Bailey, or should I? Oh no, you could go because I know you got a couple of controversial ones. Okay, so my first one on this, and this is something that if you follow me on Twitter, I talk about um, a decent amount, and people are always a bit confused by it. Um, my favorite all-time catcher, he played half a season with the Red Sox before mm-hmm. unceremoniously getting dumped uh, with John Lackey to the Cardinals, is uh, A.J. Pierzynski, who um, people frequently tell me was they hated because he was a douchebag mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the least popular players with among the other players. But I got to tell you, first of all, look at the guy's numbers. He had over 2,000 hits. Do you know how hard it is to do that for a catcher? The guy just played, like, every day. He barely ever spent any time on the disabled list. Or, sorry, the the IR, whatever it is now, the injured list. Oh, yeah, Um, the the IL now, right? Yeah, Yeah. whatever it is, yeah. Um, And, you know, all he did his entire career was hit and win. So that that in and of itself is great. But obviously the reason, my reason for loving AJ is a little different. And um, (laughs) it's that... Uh, when I was, I want to say it was 2002, so I would have been like 12 or 13. Um, this was in a, uh, the app league that I've been doing with my dad since then. Um, I traded Jorge Posada for AJ Persinski, a first round pick and a third round pick. I used the first rounder to draft uh, Felipe Lopez, if you remember him, and the third mm-hmm. rounder to draft um, a reliever named Bob File with the Blue Jays. They were both with the Blue Jays at the time, actually. I was not... It was what my team needed. Um, mm. And I was also 13, so I was like, oh, well, Felipe Lopez, he seemed to do pretty well this year. And he did have a long career, but wasn't. there were probably better guys in that draft. Point is, I had AJ from, like, 2004 or 2004 until he retired in 2018. So that's like watching you're, tra- you're already training your all-star catcher. Posada was my favorite, was not my favorite player. He was the best player I had, though. He came mm-hmm. with the team. Um, and, you know, it's like seeing your investment turn into something for a long time. And you follow the guy long enough, it's hard not that he performs for you. It's hard not to, not to become attached to him. I think that that's something that... Um, it really is one of the things that I love about sports and about baseball, where you can follow this person throughout their entire career and kind of feel like you saw them bloom. Um, and that's uh, that's where a lot of my uh, my enjoyment of AJ Prezinski comes from. That and just like the the reaction he elicits from people, people just oh, yeah. really hate the guy. And I mean, yeah, he's an asshole, but I don't see him as being particularly worse than, like, anybody else. Like, I never had any, like, domestic violence issues or anything stupid like that coming up. He's just kind of a dick, and a lot of catchers are dicks. So, hey. Hey, you you like him? That's all that matters. Uh, and <laughs> I see he... a little disapproval there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just was... I didn't, like, when he came to the Red Sox, I, like, didn't hate it, like, at all, really. I was like, oh, because he was, you're right, he was always a solid catcher. Like, really good behind the plate. Uh, he could hit, like you said, 2,000 hits for a catcher is incredible. Uh, I don't know, I would just, like, my, my biggest memory of him is when it was Cubs-White Sox, and he, like, slides across home plate. And then the Cubs catcher, like, took offense to it, and next thing you know, he, like, gets punched in the face by the Cubs catcher. <laughs> <laughs> like, he starts melting off and just gets socked in the face. I, That's, like, my biggest AJ. And, like, you hear things that people aren't really fond of him, but, like, I don't know how true that is either. You never know. 
that's tough to gauge. And I mean, he does commentary now, so he couldn't mm-hmm. have been. He's got a big mouth, you know. Um, yeah, but but honestly, I mean, if I were a White Sox fan, I would love that. Though I think they <laughs> loved him. I think White Sox fans loved him. I, think I, I don't. Oh, sorry. No, I think it was that kind of like we love him when he's here. You love him when he's afar type yeah. thing. I don't remember him causing a lot of controversy with the Red Sox. I mean, I know no. that team was kind of a bit of a shit show, but, like, <laughs> you know, there wasn't, like, he never did anything like Adrian. Like, people really hated oh. the whole, like, it wasn't in God's plan thing with AJ. What's sorry, with uh, Adrian Gonzalez oh. or, like, Josh Beckett putting on, taking on this whole, like, snitches get stitches mentality with the yeah. beer and chicken. I don't remember any of that with him. He wasn't really here long enough for, no, like, I don't think so. to come out. He seemingly kept to himself, and you're right, there were people like, yeah, like Adrian, I don't like Adrian Gonzalez. I don't care how good he was, I don't care how good he actually was for the Red Sox. To me, you didn't win shit here, sorry. And like you said, like, he did the whole, like, oh, it's not in God's plan. It's like, you don't say shit like that. And two, he also was, like, allegedly, like, a snitch. He would be, like, texting, like, people about, like, him not enjoying you know, being managed by, like, Valentine and things like that. And I'm just like, that stuff is just so... I mean, he didn't need to text people for them to know that. Like, I could have yeah, told him that. He, he didn't enjoy the, that. He was doing, like, weird, like... He was doing, like, weird texting behind people's backs. And I was just like, this is petty high school. Yeah. Shit. It was it was so just a very MLB. weird fit here. I agree with you completely on yeah. that. And, like, but, that trade, like, we ended up... It, it works out because, like, the next year we win in 2013. But, like, yeah. what could have been if you hang on to an Anthony Rizzo? Like, you don't know, like, what could have been. But, I mean, we ended up winning without him, so it's fine. Yeah. Ah, ah. I think Anthony Rizzo was what people expected Adrian Gonzalez would be. It's not like he didn't hit, though. Like, he was no, fine Adrian here. Gonzalez was a good hitter. Like, yeah. very good, very good hitter. And he was even good for the Red Sox. It's yeah. just, like, you look back then, and you're like, oh, that trade. Like, yeah. we trade, we, yeah. But that's it. That's, yeah. yeah. But, no, I have no ill, I have no true ill will against A.J. Pearsinski. Who do you got for your first pick on this list? Yeah, so I'm going to go with, you go with somebody who helped you uh, win in your (laughs) league. I'm going to go with someone who won my hat, and that is Gabriel Kapler. Uh Oh. Love the babe. Good pick. Yeah, he was not the best player, but he made the first out in the 2004 World Series. (laughs) So there's always that. He made the first out in right field. Uh, he was a be- still is a completely unbelievably beautiful man. I had the pleasure of meeting him. He is a delight. My friend did for my birthday last year. He did a he got Gabe Kapler shout out on Cameo for me. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, That's I have cool. my 19 shirt jersey. I have my number 44 jersey. I have his autograph. I just I liked. The person that he obviously I liked how he looked, of course, especially when you're like 14 <laughs> years old, you're like, oh, my God, he's so beautiful. But I, I liked that he, he always played hard. Um, I remember vividly when he completely ruptured his Achilles tendon on the terrible turf that was Rogers Center before they uh, I think it was Rogers Center. Yeah, he was definitely Rogers Center because Rogers Center for a while never had they just had like the the dirt. And then a bunch of turf, a dirt at like each base. They never had like a full infield. And he was coming, I'm pretty sure he was 
coming around third to try to score and got caught up in the turf and just like completely. And he was like, that put him out for a while. I remember that. Could have been career ending. It kind of potentially was. Like he tried to come back, but he was never really the same. But I mean, he was good enough to make major league baseball, good enough to be a world series champion and an all around good person. I think, I know he got embroiled with the, the scandal, the Alex Verdugo scandal. Like apparently he was the head of, at the time for the Dodgers, he was the head of like player development and he supposedly was notified about the events that went on there and people believed he didn't handle it properly. So that's maybe the only little blip that's on an otherwise impressive um personal note like he was always big with domestic uh abuse because his wife uh now i believe ex-wife but his wife at the time when they first started dating she was getting out of an extremely abusive relationship so raising awareness for that has always been something that is very important to him so i i overall think he's he was a good player handsome man and i really liked who he was as a person so there's that yeah um I mean, do you remember he had that, like, there was that thing where he, like, retired, and then he was a manager, and then he came back after yes. that? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he, he managed in the Red Sox, like, uh, system, too. Yeah, and then he came back, but, like, it, I don't remember, like, it, like, was it with the Red Sox, or, ah, I don't know. Was it when he went, like, because I know he played Tampa Bay for a little while, I think he made yeah. it down to Tampa he Bay. With, he was with Milwaukee for a bit, too. He actually mm-hmm. hit 301 with Milwaukee when he came back. He had a few offensive seasons, like, even for the Red Sox, like, in uh, his 2004, he actually, like, I'm looking at his numbers right now, he was kind of your ideal fourth outfielder, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he was good at, at what he did. They didn't really need anything more than, like you said, like, the fourth outfielder and um, the women of Boston, and I'm sure some of the men, you know, we don't discriminate, uh, enjoyed his, the physique that was. And, like, he's in better shape now, I think, <laughs> than, like, when he played, because he, well, like, yeah. takes his health even more seriously now. It's wild to me. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to build up that kind of muscle mass when you don't have to be, like, starting and stopping like you would as yeah. an outfielder yeah. or uh, running down the line and everything, too. But um, the other thing for me, and uh, I've talked about this, is that, um, you know, like, I'm Jewish, and there are not yes. a lot of Jewish uh, baseball players out there. And uh, Gabe Kapler uh, is one who, uh, you know, is not religiously Jewish, but is secular and, you know, um, very culturally Jewish. And getting to see somebody like that, like, uh, you know, who, like, really kind of represents a portion of your heritage that doesn't really get very much representation, uh, you don't really hear that much about Jews in sports. Like, Sandy, baseball's kind of the only one. You've got Sandy Koufax. Koufax. And, uh, Hank Greenberg and guys like that, but um, you don't hear a lot about like Jewish athletes. So Kapler always appreciate that sort of thing. Um, and that's actually my next guy on the list uh, is Kevin Euclides, who uh, yeah, there you go. Um, another you, you, another I, sneaky Jew. I feel like yep, nobody yep. believed him. When he nobody said believed him when he said that. Um, <laughs> but it was a uh, name that they had to change it when his family was fleeing uh, Romania. And he's not, like, like half-Jewish like a lot of uh, players are. Like, he's, uh, like, 100% full, full-blooded full there. Um, never looked like a baseball player. I've heard TV repairman, butcher. I thought but- I thought he looked like a butcher, personally. Yeah, but then he gets to, you know, have half of Tom Brady's DNA. In yep. The- <laughs> that, those kids are either going to be insanely good at sports 
or right. like really bad at sports, but they were going to have just unbelievable determination because Euclid's oh, yeah. worked harder than anybody. Absolutely. And you know, like he was intense, and not everybody liked that. I know Manny Ram- he and Manny Ramirez came to blows. Uh, I remember I was interviewing a ball player named uh, Val Mayeski. He was a former third round pick with the Orioles. This was back into. You remember when Euclid's briefly went to the Yankees? Oh God, yes. Yeah. So, so Mayeski was. Um, more of a Yankee fan. He was from, like, around uh, Rutgers, that part of uh, New Jersey. We were talking a little. He's a cool guy. I really uh, mm-hmm. I really liked him. Uh, he, uh, but we were talking afterwards, and I was asking what he thought of them signing Euclid's and, like, if he knew him or any of that stuff, because they were about the same age. And he was, like, too much, too gimmicky. <laughs> so I think that there were, like, uh, you know, like, because, like, you know, he didn't have that traditional swing. He didn't have that traditional stance. He kind of, you know. He got a lot. When he came up, he was going to be the Greek god of walks. Yep. You know, and no, but, but then he hit 29 home runs, and in my opinion, should have won the MVP in 2008. Um, you know, he moved from third base to first base and became a gold glove first baseman, and then moved back to third base, which I still think he, he might still be playing if he hadn't had to move back to third base. He's the kind of guy who could have stuck around as a DH if he hadn't torn his body apart. Yeah, no, I always, and I think somebody like Euclid works well for Boston, because we're the type of fan base that wants to see you working your hardest to achieve anything. And the man would freak out if he didn't have a good at bat. And I'm like, I kind of feel that. I feel that because I'd probably be the same way. I'd have to, like, figure out how to get better at it and not freak out every time. But, yeah, he was, like, he struck out. He was pissed because he didn't put a good at bat in his opinion. You know, and it didn't matter if it was a good at bat. If he made an out, it wasn't a good at bat, in his opinion. Oh yeah, he was very—he hated that, and that's why you know he was so good at getting on base too. I mm-hmm. think because of the fact that he hated to make an out. You know, and that's—it's interesting because that kind of mentality I feel like isn't usually that helpful for baseball. I think like um, the the JD Drews of the world, and he really—I—I'm I, not on the—I'm not an anti JD Drew person. I liked him just fine. But he was so calm, you almost felt like he didn't care. And I feel like, you know, like, it's a sport where you're going to fail seven out of ten times and be one of the best people in the game. Like, why are you freaking out about it when you make it out if that's going to happen? Not just the majority, but, like, an extreme majority of the time that you're up there, you know? Like, yeah. uh, so I think that, I, to me at least, the guys that do the best aren't going to be flipping out. They're going to be kind of like, okay, I'll get them next time. Mm. Um, but Euclid's... I think he probably had that attitude too. I don't. I think that he was mad that he lost, but he was like, "I'm just going to beat their ass the next time rather than yeah." Like, wrong. And I think it comes from that like working man mentality that like you know he was taken later in the draft, and he was the kind of person that said like, "I'm gonna out. I'm not the best person on the field, but I'm gonna outwork everybody." It's sort of like an Aaron Rowan. I remember Aaron Rowan one time I said that. I loved Aaron Rowan too, and he like one time said that like I don't have the talent of Maglio Donias but I'm going to outwork every single person on that field. And yeah. it's true. Like, he, the, knew, exactly, he yeah. knew who he was as a player and knew that I had to outwork everybody to be a tenth of the talent of, like, a Bagley or Adonis, you know? Yeah, but you could have guys like that in baseball. Yeah, and Rowan really, like, Kevin Pilar's that kind of player who was, like, yeah. a super late-round draft pick and just outplayed his uh, his scouting report. Um, gosh, I, I really did like Rowan. I really wanted I him to Rowan. do when a little better. When he smashed his face into center field and he had like been bitching about like he had been saying like you need to pad this outfield fence and they were like no no we're good and then he smacked into it there's blood everywhere and there was padding the next yeah 
Yep. He proved his point, you know. Yeah. He proved he proved it takes ball, that, that 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 that's uh, there's some cojones there for that. To be just like, fine, okay, I'll smash yeah. my face in. I will, man. Now, now, will you get me that outfield fence? So uh, <laughs> I'll feel patting on the fence. But yeah, so I feel like Euclid was always that person. Like he gave his body, and he was good. Like yeah. he was good. Three time All Star, um, won a Silver Slugger, won a Gold Glove. Uh, I think he was the Hank Aaron Award winner in oh, that's uh, always a good what, one. 2008. Uh, I still think he deserves, like, I, you know, like, uh-huh. Pedroia is great. You're not going to hear me say anything oh, yeah. about him, but you weren't scared of pitching to Dustin Pedroia. You were scared of pitching to Kevin Euclid. Pedroia was a pain in the ass to pitch to. He was really good at getting hits, but yeah. he wasn't somebody that you were like, you know, you were good. Like, he was one of these guys that just beat you no matter what, but they would be like doubles and singles. Euclid was the scary guy that year, I thought. Yeah, no, I mean... Dude, that's, man, that team should have won the fucking World Series. Don't even get me started. That 08 team was so talented. My God. My oh. God. Ugh. All right. So you had Eucalyptus. All right. So I'm I'm going from, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my list and being like, who do I want to Yeah, I made a change guys? on my, I had forgotten about Eucalyptus when we were talking about it earlier, and I was like, I can't not include him. Not include him. No, he was uh, my favorite. He was my, one of my other, fa- all my favorite players get traded away. I don't think any of my favorites retire to Red Sox. Uh yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, well, mine retired a Red Sox, but he wasn't mine ultimate. He wasn't always a Red Sox, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but next, I'm going to go with next on my list. I, I, I'll i probably just throw in. Um, I don't really even know why I liked him so much, but I think it was, again, I was clouded by, oh, he's cute uh, growing up. But I loved Mark Bellhorn, and he did so many, like, things in the postseason that were just incredible, too. Uh, like whether or not he was actually good or not, because I'm pretty sure in 2004 they like didn't bring him in to be the, the everyday second baseman, but he sort of just like played his way into that role, and then you know had an incredible postseason for the Red Sox in 2004, yeah. okay. and he also became a Yankee too. It's like they just like be poaching all our winners, and then they don't <laughs> win anything there, so it's great. Like, Minkiewicz? Like, if you think about it, like, the 04 people, like, Euclid, Minkiewicz, like, Bellhorn, they were all, like, briefly in pinstripes, did nothing, you had to shave my Mark Bellhorn beard, and I was like, who is this man now? <laughs> Bellhorn, I'm just looking at his numbers right now, his 2004 with the with the Sox was, uh, was pretty friggin' good, he, I mean, it wasn't, he led the league in strikeouts, but he also drew 88 walks. Yeah, and, and you know. Yeah. And 17 like homers, 37 doubles. It was a good he year. He played his way into that role, because I'm pretty sure nobody expected him to play as much as he did and ended up playing well, because we also had Pokey Reese at second, too. I like Pokey. Oh, Pokey's great. Well, like, Pokey was just so fun. An icon. So An icon. Oh, my God, right? That, like, that literal, like, play that he made was better than Jeter. Oh, the one where he went into the stands? Yeah, yeah I completely agree with Jeter, you on that. But, but Jeter, you know, Jeter was Jeter. Of course, of course. Like, I understand it. You know, I was younger. When I was younger, I was, like, very, like, I anti-Jeter. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, I get why. Because he was the freaking Yankee. You yeah. know, the Yankees are, as much as I hate it, they're, like, the most recognizable team in baseball. They've won the most championships. It's New York City. There's so many things. Like, I, um, 
I like the there being a villain in the league. I always get confused when people are like, MLB needs to get rid of the Red Sox, or MLB needs to get rid of the Yankees. And, why? Uh, and, because it's like, why would you want to get rid of them? Like, right? it's good having a team to root against. I'm sorry. Like, if there, if you didn't have a villain, you'd, ha- you'd find a new one, you know? Oh, of course. Just like how everybody, like, hates the Dodgers now because they're winning. Yeah. You know, and nobody likes people when they win. And as much as it pains it's me. Race. Yeah, yeah. Nobody takes the Braves seriously. No, of course not. Do I think the Braves are going to repeat? Hell no. <laughs> Good luck to them. Um, I love the Braves. They used to be in Boston. They were my grandmother's team. You know, she had to become a Red Sox fan because the Braves went to Milwaukee. You know? Uh, but, yeah, so Bill Horn, I, I liked watching him. I was super upset. I found when he got, like, literally when he got traded – um, I don't know if it was when he was traded or when, like, he went to the Yankees. He went to yeah. the Yankees. It was in 2006. I was at Petco Park in San Diego with my family. I had my Bellhorn Red Sox shirt on, and I was, like, washing my hands in the bathroom. And some girl comes up to me, and she's like, did you hear? He's a Yankee. And I was like, what? And I, like, freaked out. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't having a great year when he got traded, so I – I don't remember, but, like, maybe he got – I'm looking at this and thinking maybe he got cut because he was hitting um, – I think he maybe did and then wound up in pinstripes, and that's yeah. what happened. And this girl was like, oh, my God, did you hear that he's going to the Yankees? And I was like, what? My, yeah. like, 16-year-old self was just not chill at that point. I, uh, <laughs> I question your 16-year-old self ta- – yourself's taste in men. I got to say, just looking at him, you add, like, a mustache. I don't know why. He is, like, every 70s. Star rolled into I one literally cannot. He looks, like his, he looks like his name should be Goober. Just looking well, at this was, picture, I remember there was like this website um, that made like shirts for like female fans or for anybody that really was like into the dudes. And one of the shirts was "I do porn with Billboard." That's first of all. You think they still make these? Because I would get one of these. <laughs> I was like, I want this shirt, but at that point, I was like, I can't. It's not appropriate for like a child to be wearing but then they had like Gabe the babe and like they had oh they had like Ortiz yes please (laughs) oh I like that one yeah they were like really cute ones and I forget like what it was but yeah I remember vividly I do porn with Bellhorn so him being like a 70s porn star I don't know maybe I'm in a 70s porn star man (laughs) I can't I had some like eclectic taste man like I will say like he's not on my list but your girl was very into Edgar Renteria when he that was, is very. I I would not. That is a beautiful that, man. That is such a just a like. I don't even really remember off the top of my head what Edgar Renteria looks like. Look, looks beautiful. like beautiful. That's all I knew. Like yeah, I was like very. Is. I was upset about like you know because he came over for two thousand and five and like he was always really good and then he just didn't perform in Boston and I was I was sad because I loved him and I wanted him <laughs> to be good so yeah i know from Gabe Kapler to Mark Bellhorn to um to, to you know Edgar Renteria i had a very a very eclectic you're a woman that likes variation yeah i don't discriminate love all of you i love all of them um so yeah that's my that's my other one on my list of five who do you have who's your third oh man hideo nomo a good one. Was that his first start with the Red Sox when he threw the that? No hitter. I, I think it was. I remember uh, where I was for that. Because you remember Derek? I forget if it was right before this or right after this. But remember Derek Lowe threw his no hitter? Yeah, like Veritech caught two in two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I remember 
yeah, it was Nomo, and, and I remember that I was at a bot mitzvah for, uh, <laughs> I was, like, the age for that. Age for the bot mitzvahs, yeah. And I couldn't watch the low one, and, like, you know, like, there weren't phones or anything back then, so I'd yeah. be, like, dipping by, like, the like the bar there, and, like, kind of, like, trying to peer up at the game. Love um, it. Like, going on. Um, but the Nomo one was really early in the season, and it just came out, it kind of came out of, like, nowhere, because he had, he was one of these guys who was kind of, like, bouncing from team to team. At this mm-hmm. point, he came up with the Dodgers yeah. and really made a big impression. But, you know, he was, like, with the Tigers, and he was with the Mets, and there was all these, like, one-year deals. So they bring him in to Boston. He throws this no-hitter. He did have a fantastic year, but he had a good year for them. He pitched well enough. And then he went back to the Dodgers and just totally revitalized himself for a few years. And, you know, before... Before Hideo Nomo, there were not a lot of Japanese players in baseball. There had been a couple that came up, like, you know, like in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like now where you have, like, you know, there was Ichiro, there was Hideki Matsui, there was Kosuke Fukudome, there was um, the other, uh, Kaz Matsui. Yeah, that was guys a big one. All of these guys were seen as being viable to come to the U.S. because of the success Nomo had there. Yes. And so a lot of it was that Nobo had a ve- had more than two pitches. He could, you know, he had that forkball, which um, to this day apparently is honestly one of the most devastating pitches I've ever seen. Just the way that thing mm. moves. Still seeing guys like throw that splitter. Um, he taught David uh, Bednar how to throw, who's now the closer for the Pirates, and uh, he's somebody to watch out for in the 2022 season, whenever that happens, because that kid can throw. Um, yeah, and his brother was just a first round draft pick too. Oh, Bednar, I actually didn't yeah. know that. That's, yeah, uh, that's they're brothers, yeah. But, um, but he learned his splitter from Nobo. Uh, that's crazy. When he was with the Padres, because uh, he still does coaching with them. But, you know, the guy was an icon. He had his weird wind-up that I remember being in, like, the like my friend's backyard, playing with them all and trying to imitate it. You know, just like, uh, oh, man, just such a such a good player, such a, such a fun player, you know? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that 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 Nomo Nono was definitely super early because I'm pretty sure that was like the first game that Don Orsillo called with Jerry. Oh, was it? Because I, I remember Sean McDonough was the guy, and I really liked McDonough, and it took a while for Orsillo to grow on me because oh, yeah. I don't like change. Yeah, oh, I feel you. No, McDonough, I think McDonough does um, radio now for the Yeah, oh, he does. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, which is very cool. Yeah, but he was gone for a while. I had always associated McDonough with the Red Sox just because, mm-hmm. like, that was what I started. Grew when up I started. With. Yeah, and I mean, Remy, too. Uh, oh, I mean, Remy had been around forever. That's Man, like... the booth is just, our childhood booth is completely gone now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, but. It's crazy to see I what. I like Eckersley, at least. I do like Eckersley a lot. I like Eck a lot. I just, I am not, I, I am not a fan of, um, what's his face? Um, I mean, O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien. I don't like him. I liked O'Brien initially. I thought he was a good radio guy. He kind of was like Don Light when he came in. Like, he had a very si- similar mannerisms, I guess. But I he's think he like, works well on the radio. I heard people say that. He's better on radio. Yeah. Apparently an extremely nice guy also. Like, oh, loves probably. his job, loves what he's doing. But, yeah, there's something was weird last year. I don't know what it was, but, like, remember, like, I mean, my favorite thing, but I, it was super cringe, was when, like, the Matthew Barnes is a na- nasty boy. Boy, it was yeah. Like, it was so strange. Like, my goodness, Dave, what's going on here? You're what like, are you doing? Like, Horny Dave I was fine with. It was yeah. Just, like, there wasn't enough Horny Dave. Yeah, and then it was just, like, sometimes he just wouldn't get, like, there'd be, like, a, a big home run, and he'd be like, oh, 
Rafael Devers just hit a home run to center. Cool. <laughs> like, that's what it, like, felt like. There was just no, like, a real emotion behind it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. And I, I don't know. Maybe it was a lack of Remy being there, and now there's obviously going to be a, a giant lack of Remy. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the booth, if and when we get baseball, is like. The rumor is that Euclid is going to be doing 50 games from the booth. And I'm be interesting to see what how he is. I love Euclid. I worry that he's going to. I, I I don't know. I want him to do really well. You don't want like, to have a like a Johnny Gomes. I want it because Gomes you would think would be such a good fit for right? him. But he's just terrible. That's so wild. Yeah, he's Gomes seems like he would be the kind of person. And there's also rumors about Will Middlebrooks would be interesting. I love Middlebrooks. He's like he's really um, articulate, at least on Twitter. Like he really seems to. And I didn't like him that much as a player because he replaced Euclid. <laughs> My thing is though, like the woman he falls in love with has to leave Nesson because she's in love with a baseball player, and then he gets hired by Nesson. It's like a weird full circle type situation. Yeah, that would be. I mean, but may, I like Jenny Dell actually. I love of like Del. the sideline. Reporters, I think she was by like. Remember when it was? It felt like it was rotating every year. It was like a different, like attractive lady doing that for a while. But she was she was my favorite of them. I I actually thought I'm glad that. Yeah, no, she's like doing like the NFL now. I think. Yeah, no, she definitely like because they're like, oh, so you love Will Middlebrooks? You can't no longer work here. I'm like, how is that even a goddamn controversial interest? Like, I'm sorry, I don't care. You're good at your job. And you want to fall? It's not even like they were like they fell in love and had babies. It's not like they were just like having a weird affair, like, <laughs> like Veritech. Yeah, like the rumors of that. Like you know, it's just like no, no. They like fell in love and they have two children and like let them be in love. And who gives a shit that she's a sideline reporter? But um, yeah, she was. And then after that, we got Garen for a long time, right? Oh yeah, and now, Garen Austin. And now I don't even know. Is it like what the hell is it? Is it Jamai? Like I, I think it's like, Jamai. I think they got. Tired of the player, the 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 them having to leave because they were hooking up with the players. The players? That seemed, so that's the like, impression Jemai. that I got. So it was like, well, maybe let's bring some uh, some dudes in for this. I like Jemai. I think Jemai's great. Actually. I like Jemai. I really loved um, the cute. He was really cute. Um, I know who you're talking about. He was very bland, though. I know exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I kind of liked him though. I just I kind of he was a dweeb. Jemai's not a dweeb, and that's what I like about him. <laughs> No, Jemai's good, and so we'll see if it's going to be Jemai all next, all this season, too. We'll find out soon, or maybe we won't find out soon. Who knows? Um, but, all right, so I'm going to go into some more for me. So um, my third um, will be uh, Mr. Bill Miller. I loved my third baseman. Uh, I loved that he won, a, he won a batting title in 2003 for the Red Sox. He was yeah. just solid. He owned Mariano Rivera. Like, that, um, you know, that home run in July the, after the Veritech A-Rod fight just was incredible. You know, he got the, you know, M- M- uh, like, Millar gets the walk to then lead to the steal from Roberts, but nothing happens unless we get the hit from Miller. So um I loved him. I loved the way he played. He played a good third base. I was... Uh, leading into, this is a spoiler for who my number one is, but leading into, leading into that, I was rip shit when, uh, Mike Lowell replaced him at third base. Like, rip shit. I would like tweet out and be like, I used to always, I thought, I thought Bill Miller was also good looking and I used to always have this, this running gag with my mom that anytime somebody would do something 
And I'd be like, oh, mom, you know what this person's thinking? And my mom would be like, what? I'm like, he's thinking, I wish I was as good looking as Bill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my thing. So I was just like, Mike Lowell comes in, and I'm like, who is this person? Well, you know, um, and I'll speak later on who that person was and what he meant to me and everything. But um, I, I'm a sucker for a third baseman. I really am. I love the hot corner. I love when you can play a really good third base. I love when that you can just be a really complete hitter. And I always thought that Bill Miller was was that person. And you know, it helps when you you know when you win a championship from a team. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember um, a, a less interesting batting title, though? Like, I remember being yeah, like, right? a batting title? What? Like, it, that year. I think he hit, like, I'm, I'm saying only, but I think he hit, like, like it was three. It, was, it wasn't that high. Of, so, I'm going to look this up. I'm not looking yeah. at it right now. I, I remember it being 326. Hang on. Yeah. I want to look oh, this okay, up to see if. that's a little if, higher than I anticipated. Yeah. I want to look this up to see if it actually was 326, right. though, so. On one second. I thought it was higher than I thought. I thought it was like 301. And I, was like, I might be wrong. I might no, be wrong. you're probably right. In my you're head, probably. it was 326. And I don't know when you why. Get, like, that's winning like a title. I like hitting 364. You're like, shit. <laughs> like, imagine hitting 364 over a whole season. That's like insane. Okay, uh, let's see here. What did he? Yep, it was. Uh, he did win a batting title. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Let's go. He was a career 291 hitter, which like isn't half bad. 326. Nice. 2003. Yep. He hit at a 398 on base percentage, 45 doubles, 19 home. Man, he was Ooh, 398 on base. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's great. He always, he always drew walks. Yeah. Cause like, as we know, sometimes the, the, the average doesn't tell anything, but knowing that he almost hit, almost had a 400 on base just really yeah. was like, shit. Okay. He was doing his job. <laughs> he never had a bad year with the Red Sox. 326, 283, 295. You know, he always seemed to, his lowest on base percentage was 365, like. Shit. That's, like, yeah. that's, you can't ask for more than that. He so. won the Silver Slugger in 2003, too. I didn't, I didn't remember that. Yeah, he just quietly was, like, the best on the Red Sox. <laughs> Um, I got so yeah, Billy Miller. Mark Loretta, and I feel bad for that. I love Loretta, too. I like these, like, one guy, these guys that, like, barely, well, I mean, Miller obviously played here, but, like, somebody like Loretta, I'm pretty sure it was just, like, what, 2005? I think it was, I think like, so, yeah. season. And I just remember the big, he had the Patriots Day walk-off. Yeah. He, his walk-up music was low ra because it kind of sounded like Loretta. And yeah. I was like, okay, this guy's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I didn't remember that, honestly. Um. God, what a good one though. I, I that's a good that's a good pick because he was also just such like a key part of that 2003 and 2014, which I kind of consider the same team. Yeah, oh, so close in 03, but it's all right. The Yankees didn't win; they got the asses handed to them by the Florida Marlins. You know what I remember about that season too? I remember the Red Sox batting around twice in the first inning against the Marlins that year. Oh yeah, no, that was crazy. They they put up what like 19 runs or some shit. It was something like Johnny David got three at bats in one inning. Like yeah. it was it was something absolutely like. And then you're like, this team's going to win the World Series, but yeah. it's not the one you think. <laughs> yeah, I would not have bet on the Marlins winning it. I think Josh Beckett was on that team, right? He was. Josh Beckett pitched a complete game, um, like, I think one run, like, game seven at the age of 23. Kind of incredible. Yeah. I have to check. I have to look this up. I think Miguel Cabrera was on that team. Too. He was on that team, too. Yeah, he was like 20. He Can you believe that, that there is somebody that is still playing from the 2003 Florida Marlins? Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's not he's a yeah. shell of what he once was, but oh, no, yeah, he was that's, like, that 
That's a first ballot Hall of Famer, though, right oh, there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, because I'm pretty sure that he couldn't even, like, legally drink when they won the World Series. <laughs> I'm, like, pretty sure. <laughs> like, he was great. only, like, 20 when they won, which is crazy. I love seeing young guys come up and succeed. That's why I'm really hoping that, um, you know, someone like a Nick York really takes off. I mean, took off last year, but, like, really takes off and, like, by, like, 2023, you might see, like, a 21-year-old, like, second baseman for the Red Sox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I just like seeing, being able to see these guys build up their stats and getting to, like, 3,000. Like, because, um, you know, Cabrera got to 500 home runs last year, and he's 13 hits away from 3,000. 3, like, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And even if it, uh, there's still a lot of money and years left on that contract. Yeah. <laughs> he's only three away from 600 doubles, too. Yeah, he really? might. He's going to he's gonna break. He's going to be top 10 in a few things by the time that contract's up. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible player. Absolutely yeah. incredible player. No, no. Um, my, my next pick mm-hmm. is not somebody that I think anybody is going to say was an incredible player, but boy, oh boy, okay. did he have a long career and he was rock solid and he just seemed like a really good dude. And that's, uh, Bronson Arroyo, who, uh, yeah. oh. his tenure with the Red Sox was, was far too short because he they signed a sweetheart over. deal. And then they traded him for uh, Willie Mobinia, who I personally enjoyed because it was like, wow, what is this bodybuilder doing here playing baseball? And was, when he hit home runs, they went, ah. Oh, yeah. they were, He was like a less athletic Franchi Cordero, basically. Yes. yes, very true. Um, and the fans hated him just as much because they traded, a fan favorite was traded for him. Although that, I, I don't get me started on that trade because, like, that was a good trade. But <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, Arroyo, I felt so bad. He had, like, just bought – like, an apartment, like, in Boston, and they're like, oh, by the way, you're going to Cincinnati, sorry, and it's like, okay, and then he did, he pitched pretty well in Cincinnati and sort of found himself a home in Cincinnati. Oh, he was great for Cincinnati. He pitched yeah. with them for a long time, too. Like, he won yeah. 148 games in his career. Like, he yeah. pitched he until bounced, he was 40. And he bounced he, between starter, reliever a lot, too. Oh, yeah. No, not as much. That was at the beginning of his career. He pitched. He was just an innings eater for the most part mm-hmm. for his career after. I mean, so the year he got traded to the um, to the Reds, he led the league in innings pitched. He pitched 240.2 innings that year. Holy, what, what a rubber arm that yeah. he had. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that he, high kick, the, the kick. He was very old school, like yeah. the way he looked when he pitched. Oh, yeah. Another fun one to, uh, to mimic in the backyard for certain. Um, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was just a good, good pitcher though. He was steady. I mean, you look at what he did for like, uh, for most of his career and like, um, you know, he was averaging, he threw, okay, so this is, I'm just going to list his inning totals mm-hmm. for you for his, uh, this was from 2006 to 2013, okay? Okay. So he, sorry about this, 240.2, and this was after 205.1 for the Red Sox, then 210.2, then 200 on the dot, then 220, then 215.2, and then this was a low for him, this was his lowest in that period of time, 199. <laughs> Wow, talk about consistency. Two consecutive seasons at 35 and 36 with a 2.02, with uh, 202 innings. And you know what? Other than one year where he had like a 5.07 ERA, he was pretty good throughout most of this. Like he had a lot of years he was under four for his ERA. He won a decent amount of games. Just a steady, reliable middle of the rotation arm. That's why I always loved Rick Porcello. Like, he kind of freaked us, like, he kind of made us think he was better than he was with the the Cy Young year, which, great year. 
not taking that away from him. But, man, that guy was healthy, and he pitched. And I, you need that, and I loved that about Porcello. He should still be pitching. It's Absolutely. weird to me that he did that he has. He wasn't even that bad in 2020. If you no. look at his, um, you go deeper into his numbers. He really wasn't bad. Yeah. So the fact that I people aren't calling, or maybe he's just like I'm in New Jersey. I'm fishing. I'm doing my thing. I made a, like 90 million dollars pitching. I don't need to. But like the man's 32 freaking years old, dude. Give Rick Porcello a job, please. Maybe, like me, they're still not happy that he got into that fight with Kevin Euclid. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. No, Arroyo. Another that one of my favorites. Fight. He, like, charged him. him. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. But, no, I, I like I like the Arroyo. Like, he was also, he was very uh, important to 2004. Of course, we remember the swipe. And him just standing there like, the fuck? Like, did nobody pick up on this? The guy swiped <laughs> literally my glove. <laughs> like, ridiculous. And he always, uh, he always had the cornrows, which was, like, really cool. And he was just, like, he was, like, his own individual, which was really cool. He had, his, he had like, the do-rags. He had the cornrows. And he was just very much, like, himself, which any music, like, I don't know if you've ever. Oh, heard, yeah, no, his cover of, um, of The Freshman by. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a great. By, uh, was that Birth Pipe? It was, like. Honestly, like legitimately good. He did a good cover of a Fuel song. Like all of my like yeah, he did Google Dolls too. Which yep, really all great. of my nineties alt rock shit. Like he he did he did covers of. And I love that the album was called Cover in the Bases. <laughs> I loved that. And they had the Dirty Water with a bunch of the guys. So it was really cool. Like the guy like embraced Boston, and then we just trade him. Yep. But you know that happens. <laughs> yep. And that's why you shouldn't ever take a sweetheart deal. It yeah. doesn't have a no trade clause in it. Very true. Very true. That's important. All right, so um, the my like final two are almost kind of interchangeable. Uh, I'm gonna put Lowell still as my number one, but Christopher Trotman Nixon mm. is like the player that made me like fall in love with baseball. I loved my right fielder. I loved my dirt dog. Um, it, it's actually wild. I think people tend to forget that, like, he was such a high draft pick. He was taken seventh overall by the Red Sox. So he never really played to, like, a seventh overall level, but he was, he was good for a while. And he, nobody played with more heart, determination, grit than Trot Nixon. He was, like, sort of everything that you would imagine a Boston player to be. He was homegrown when, you know, the Red Sox just didn't want to re-sign him after 2006. I knew it was coming. Uh, I was devastated. Big reason why I'm not the biggest J.D. Drew fan, because you not only took right field, you took number seven. <sighs> you know, so there, there was a lot of pick, because that was, like, that was my, I met him. I actually got to meet Tronixon, too, in 2007. I did a baseball road trip with my family, and we went to Cleveland, and we were hanging out by all of the players, and, like, everybody's there, like, for CC Sabathia, and I'm over there, like, chasing down Trot Nixon, and he was so nice. I had, like, this sign, and he was like, oh, of course I'll sign. So he signed my sign, cool. um, and it was just, it was great to meet him and just being like, I went to Trot Nixon Day with my dad when he came back to Fenway, We the best seats we've ever had, um, and... I was just like, I loved everything. I love everything about Tronix. And I love that he just is back in, like, North Carolina, and he's, like, coaching football. Like, I love his wife is adorable. Like, his sons. Uh, I love, I love everything about Tronix. 
I just remember him, uh, one of the games that really I remember the best from my childhood um, was this duel that, I think it was 2000, uh, between Roger Clemens and Pedro Martinez. That oh, was tied yes. 9-9 going into the ninth inning. And um, um, Nixon took Clemens uh, for a home run in the yeah. top of the ninth inning. And I actually was at the next game after that. We went, uh, we went to see them and... God, he was, it was the only time I ever heard him get an ovation like he did. It was like, uh, you know, like what Ortiz would get every time he, uh, he came up, uh, later on. Um, he was, he was likable. I, I yeah. can't exactly put my finger on what was so likable about him because there have been plenty of dirt dogs here. They're yeah. not, people know, people remember Trot Nixon really well, even though he was a good but not great player. You don't see the yeah. reaction that people have for Trot Nixon for a lot of these other, like, uh, good, not great right fielders. Like, you're never going to see that for, like, Troy O'Leary, who was, like, you know, like left field, but still. Similar. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I understand. And I, I think maybe the homegrown aspect of it had a lot to do with it, too. That, you know, he was ours, he came up, we, he won a championship here, like, I, I don't know, and just, you know, to see him go, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but then to get replaced by almost the opposite, like, of his character in the way that they played, and I, like, J.D. Drew, what really bothered me about J.D. Drew was that, um, literally maybe the best college season anybody's ever had he had one season at florida state yeah um a lot of the the whole like getting drafted number two and not wanting to go to philadelphia and then getting drafted again i think he went like six or seven or like he was maybe top five like the following because he went and played in the independent league went back into the draft and then was like oh yeah i'll be a cardinal played there tony Larusa hated him and said that the guy played with like 70 percent of his talent which was good enough to be a very good Major League Baseball player, but imagine if he unlocked all of that talent and what he could have been. So like, it's things like that that sort of bother me about J.D. Drew. But again, seems like a lovely person. He's come back to Fenway. We got both Drew brothers. Both Drew brothers have championships. <laughs> How did you feel about Stephen Drew? Because I like J.D. more than I liked Stephen. Stephen was like... Fine. Like to me, it's like both JD, both JD and Steven have played for the Red Sox, have worn number seven, and have World Series championships for the Red Sox. That is insane to me. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, there's there's what I feel about JD Drew mainly because it's like connected to Trot Nixon versus like me having absolutely no feelings when it comes to Stephen Drew. I feel like it's like cool. You you did shortstop for us for a bit. Thanks. You kept Xander Bogarts away for a little while. Yeah, yeah, and then we traded you to the Yankees because that happens. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. That did happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. So my um, – I want to say, like, there are a few people that aren't on this list, and it's not because they're not favorites of all times. Mm-hmm. It's just because they've been talked about to death. You know, sure. Pedro Martinez, who – you grew up, he was your favorite pitcher. Oh, you know, course. you grew up in Boston. David Ortiz, like, you know, like – Again, you grew up in Boston. He's one of your favorite players. So it's not that they're not in the same category as the people that we've listed here. It's I that, like that we went with a different list. Like, we yeah. both had, like, kind of underdoggy guys. Yeah. Except for your number one. My number one is the equivalent of Ortiz circa, 2000, like, 
1997 to 2004. That's an Omar Garcia para. And mm-hmm. um, to say that I was a Nomar fan is um, is, is as much of an understatement as possible. We're filming this. I'm at my parents' house right now. If you go up to my childhood bedroom, mm-hmm. I've got like seven pictures of him there, like just on the wall. Cause I haven't re- I haven't like bothered redecorating it. I'm going to I take them it. with me at some point because they are nice quality posters. But you know, like if you grew up in if you were a kid in Boston around then, no more. Like, you'd drop whatever you were doing to watch him bat. You, you know, like, he was on SNL at one point. And yeah, he was. Like, yeah, like, that was like, he was on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated shirtless. Like, he was just as as big of a deal as anything that you can imagine around here. Um, and, again, for a kid, like, you know, he was... Uh, for lack of a better word, he was my hero. Like growing mm-hmm. up, uh, it was because it wasn't just because he was a good ball player too, and he was a tremendous ball player. It was how he carried himself as well. You know, he was just like he was a good guy. You know, he like him and his uncle uh, dove into the uh, the Charles River to rescue a woman from drowning at one point, and didn't bother like sticking around for press or anything like that. Mookie Betts did something like that. It wasn't saving someone's life, but he like dropped off a bunch yeah. of food with like some homeless people, and that was like a you know like it's just stuff like that that you admire. Um, and you know like he was always really good to the fans. You could say what you wanted about how he dealt with the media, which honestly like the Boston cares sucks. I don't blame him for treating them, however. Uh, However, he cl- they claim that he did like like they, they like you know the, the smear campaign towards the end of his career in Boston was horrible like and undeserved and I remember exactly where I was the day they traded him I remember bawling my eyes out in the car I was a gosh it was two thousand four so I was a I was a freshman in high school. And, you know, like, it was all the heartbreak from 2003. And my mom was picking me up from a friend's house, and I remember turning on the radio, because it was the trade deadline, turning on EEI, and, you know, they had announced the trade. And I got home, and I kind of held it in until then, and then I cried a lot, and I was really mm-hmm. upset. Um, And then I went on... <laughs> I went online and wrote this really long... Uh, just rage piece about how much I hated Theo Epstein for trading Nomar. I think I, I think I said that I, at one point that Theo Epstein had ruined my life, which kind uh-huh. of gives you an idea of uh, a like just how like because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think at the time I was more of a Nomar fan than I was a Red Sox fan. You know, yeah. um, and in some ways that was kind of good for me because once that was all done and they won the World Series. It puts things into a little bit of perspective, and it also made it so I've never really gotten as um, invested in players since then, because every single favorite player that I've had, where I really start to get emotionally attached to them, ends up getting traded or signed somewhere else. And, you know, you just lose that connection that you make with this person that you've never actually met. So, you know, like, I was really into Bronson Arroyo. He gets traded. I was really into Derek Lowe. He signs with the Dodgers. I was really into Kevin Euclid. He gets traded. I was really into, you know, like, even more recently, like, you know, Mookie Betts ends up getting dealt. Like, I wasn't at that point, like, you know, 2020, I'm, like, in my... I'm in my 30s at this point. I'm not getting that attached to players, but he was my favorite player on the team, and he was the one that I liked to watch the most. He had the most Nomar vibes. It just can't be... Once you have that initial trauma, 
it's like a first breakup, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That one's, even if, like, the girl was, like, in my case, even though, like, you know, the girl was, like, not really, like, objectively not good for me, and I initiated it. I remember driving home screaming in the car to nobody. I've never done that. I've had breakups <laughs> since then that I, um, meant a lot more to me. But I never had a, uh, just, like, the, God, it, it, was like a very like a primal reaction to it. I just remember it was a, I, I've never made that noise any other time. I remember she lived in Connecticut and I lived in uh, I was living still I was living in Massachusetts and I'd have to drive you know an hour and a half to go back and forth to see her. She didn't have a car, so you know it was one of these things that was totally unsustainable. And you know we didn't have that much in common anyway. And like her mom was. Um, her her mom did not like that I am Jewish and uh, oh had some opinions of Jewish people. people that I didn't realize were a thing until then. Um, so, you know, it was like a shit show. <laughs> I still felt horrible about it. And that's sort of like... Oh, it's like anything. It, like, the, the first yeah. thing is going to stick with you more. So you're you losing the first baseball player that you fell in love with. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. going to hurt when they don't end on the terms that you want. Like, if they ended their career in Boston on their terms, you're like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, uh, versus, you know, no more getting traded, like, literally seconds before the deadline and bringing in, you know, people that did help. Like, it brought in um, Minkiewicz and Orlando Cabrera. Like, you know, so, like, Cabrera just slotted right in and picked up at shortstop, but... Oh, yeah, it wasn't like I didn't know who Cabrera was. My sister mm-hmm. went to McGill up in Montreal at the time. I have a bunch of old, uh, in, like, the garage yeah, here. Cabrera stuff, I've got yeah. a bunch of, um, like, Russian nesting dolls of Orlando Cabrera, actually, that they give cool. away. I don't know if they're worth anything now, but they're... That's right. cool to have, though. Right, isn't that, like, a good giveaway? But, yeah, mm-hmm. so, like, I was familiar with him, but, again, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's like people that, like, loved Mookie and didn't want to hear about how Alex Verdugo's actually a decent hitter, you know? Yeah, you didn't want to hear it. Of course not. Uh, yeah, it's just, and people will just talk shit, uh, the Mookie trade until they win a World Series, but then they'll still talk shit. And I'm like, Mookie Betts is great. Mookie Betts is only going to get older. Mookie Betts has already had some injury issues. We have the 2018, if Mookie Betts comes close to 2018 again, that's going to be great. But in my opinion, Red Sox got the best season Mookie Betts is ever probably potentially going to produce, and he got a championship. What the hell else do you want? You want him to decline here? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just think about that you have the best of Mookie Betts. It's the people that say also, like, oh, well, we could have, he would have signed here. He wasn't going to sign here. I don't think he wanted to stay here either. So that's my thing. Fine. You don't want to be in Boston? I'm going to get a little pissed at that because I'm like, what, you just don't want to win? Cool. Like, you know, like. You don't want to play for one of the most storied franchises in baseball, and then you get so lucky. Mookie Betts is also very lucky in certain things. He gets drafted out of, like, the fifth round by one of the oldest historic franchises that wants to win. So you get traded, you get drafted by the, the things. And then you literally get traded to the best fucking team in baseball. There's a lot of luck in that. He could have got traded to the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates if Ian Bloom thought there was some stud on the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then he's stuck with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of that is also demand, though. Like, a team at last isn't going to dump their farm system course, for a guy yeah. that's there for one year, but I get what you're saying. Or, you know, like, what, what if Detroit like was in contention and then you have to live in, in Detroit for the next, like, how long? Yeah, exactly. And, like, there is the whole thing of, like, 
oh, maybe he wasn't going to resign. If he got sent to a shit team, he wasn't going to sign that. But he was uh, probably going to be a Dodger whenever he wanted to be. Yeah, and signing with the Dodgers. with the Dodgers, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that's how I feel about Mookie Betts. Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, um, the, the the case in point here is just that uh, Nomar, I, I don't yeah. know if, I think that, like, I'm still a little uh, <laughs> little scarred over that, you know? Of course. It'll stay with you. It'll stay yeah. with you. And it would have hurt way worse if they didn't win the World Series. But you know, I you know what's cool though. Um, I got to go. He so he bounced around a little bit after yeah. uh, Boston. He was with Chicago, and then he signed with the Dodgers for a few years. Yep, as yep. for whatever reason, everybody who played for the Red Sox like in the early two thousands ended up there. Like uh, Derek Lopich for them for a while. Yeah, Nomo he did. went back there. Uh, Shea Hillenbrand played with them for a bit. Yep, Grady yep. Little was their manager for a bit. Um, so Nomar actually made another all-star team there, and then he was in Oakland for a year, and when he was in Oakland, he finally came back to play at Fenway, and I, uh, got to go see him play there, and... Oh, cool. So they gave him... Back. They gave him such a good ovation. It oh, was like... Awesome. I was so... It was so cool seeing him play there one last time, and I'm so glad that they, like, uh, you know, brought the... Bought the... Bought guy, went and got tickets, and I was in college, um... Mm. And, you know, he retired, he signed a one-day contract to end his career with the Red Sox, and, um, you know, like, he, don't, do not underestimate how good he was in his prime. You can, there is a case out there that Prime Nomar, those two years, 2000 and 2001, are, like, some of the best offensive seasons from any right-handed shortstop ever. Oh, yeah, he was literally better than, than Derek Jeter. Yeah. You can make a case that at his peak he was better. Like, his peak was as strong as A-Rod's peak, depending on what you go by with that. Because yeah, A-Rod right. had more power than Nomar. Mm-hmm. But Nomar made contact like it was, like, like he, it was nobody else's business. And I mean, yeah. this was even, even before, like, now where everybody strikes out a hundred times. He had some seasons, I think, where he um, walked more than he struck out. Like, Nomar, oh. like. Um, mm-hmm. And he was, like, so, he was such an aggressive hitter, too. And, like, just... You know, there was just so much raw talent there, and if he hadn't gotten hurt, like... Oh, I know, yeah. He was the surefire for Hall of Famer, not Jeter, when that first, uh, you know, like in 2000, 2001. It's just funny how quick things can... Uh, Change, yeah. ...can turn around. So I've been on Nomar for a while now. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for... Uh, I can I can get off his jock. It's time for you to get on... Uh, <laughs> get on Mike Lowell's. Uh Yeah, I... I absolutely, unequivocally, desperately love Mike Lowell. Like, and I, it's so weird because there's, there's, like, it's unexplainable at certain times, too. Like, I don't, I used to call him my little double machine because his 2007 was just incredible. He had so many doubles. And, like, it was like he was the throw-in in the Beckett you know, it's like, oh, we need, you know, we, we want the stud, so we need to take the guy that's, like, declining. And then he just comes to Boston and his 2007, like, I mean, and then he was there, like, I think it was, like, 06, 07. I think it got traded after 05. So his 06 was good, but then his 2007 was just, like, absolutely incredible. Oh, my God, I loved it. Um, I loved it. I, I just loved him as a person. I, I love him on MLB Network right now. I just love he's like this family man. He cares so much about um, his Cuban heritage. You know, don't let Lowell, the last name, fool you. <laughs> like, you know, um, he's very proud Cuban. Um, he's just, I don't know. And, like, he's just, like, everything, like, he's he was, you know, it's weird that I'm like, 
he was drafted by the Yankees, played like a hot two games, I think, in pinstripes, then goes to Florida. He's a cancer survivor. You know, if that trade didn't happen, he talks about like he doesn't know what he would be if he would be alive, you know, because that trade, he had to go through another physical. They uh, discovered they had testicular cancer, you know, so he comes back from that. You know, he just came over like a lot of adversity. I just really love the way that he played his, uh, you know, he's the 2007 World Series MVP. Uh, It just seems like the nicest guy. I just cannot like say nice things about it. I'm, I'm whether my husband cares, my dear future husband, um, our son, if we have a son, will be named Lowell. Uh, love, 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 love Lowell. So, I don't know. He, I had such I cause no he word. had such a bad year. He was a throw-in. He was the throw-in. Yeah, his 05 was, like, really bad, I think. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was, like, after 05, and then they was, like, yeah, they wanted to get Beckett. Um, and then they, he finished his career in Boston, too. Like, after 2007, he resigned. Yeah. For really, less money. He really uh, proved his worth. He was, uh, yeah, I I never had the same attachment to him as you. And, like, so it's, it's just funny because I just remember, like, he, like, uh, he, like, responded to a tweet that you made about him. Which, yeah, like, and I didn't uh, even tag him. So he yeah. was, like, trolling for his name on Twitter, which I low-key love. <laughs> yeah, like, he just, again, though, like, just seems like a good guy, cancer survivor, very yeah. um, personable. And there's, you know, like... There's something to be said for, like, people that just are approachable and, like, like I think that part of the response, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but if you're a baseball player, you do owe it to the fans to some extent to, like, oh, interact yeah. with them and, like, be approachable. So, you know, when a player is like that, it really does make you appreciate them more. Yeah, absolutely. So I cannot say enough great things about Mike Lowell. I love the man. So that's my, that's probably my number one. Um, and it wasn't even like I was like, yeah, I thought he's he's a handsome man, but it wasn't even like I was like, you know, Gabe Kapler was my like, ugh, you know, he's your hot boy pick. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. My, everything about Mike Lowell was just like everything I wanted in a baseball player and and in in a person who was a baseball player as well. So yeah, no, there's he's very very much uh, like a like your when you think of a third baseman from that era. Like Mike Lowell's like the first thing for me. Like I don't think of A Rod as a third baseman, so there's that. But um, yeah, yeah. Even though he played probably most of his career actually at third, right? Yeah, which is he was he was his defense gets underlooked. He was a great shortstop defensively. Yeah, you know? yeah. Jeter wasn't even the best shortstop on his team. Yeah, <laughs> and that's still very funny. Yeah, it very much so. But. but uh, uh, those are yeah. our, um, those are the, I, I, like I said, I really like that we had sort of like different picks. We didn't go with like an Ortiz or a Ramirez or a Pedro, like the ones that you know we yeah. love, but that we had different, different ones. I, I thought, thought about saying Schilling and then just like going on this whole matter <laughs> rant, but I thought that that might not be the best, uh, <laughs> best idea for our target audience. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I considered or, that one, you know, considered, uh, Papelbon, but like that I was like, oh yeah, I didn't actually like him when he was with the team. I like him now that he's retired, but I remember at the I time I just liked him. He People was just like him. a frat boy. Like, as yeah. I said, he was just like a frat boy. And if you just went in knowing this is a frat boy, you're like, okay, yeah. like, you know. I'm trying to think of, like, who else was... I mean, Manny was really popular. Veritech was really popular. Um, yeah, Pedroia was extremely popular, of course. Yeah, I... I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like Pedroia, but for some reason, I was never quite in, like, the whole, like... Because like, he was such a Boston player, but, like, that was... Mm-hmm. 
And also, like, I'm, like, 5'8", so, like, you know, like, you'd think that I'd be, like, oh, man, yeah, short king's representing. But That's like, why my dad liked him, because my dad's, like, 5'9". Yeah, I was like, man, like, this guy is, like, shorter than me, because, like, 5'9 is very yeah. generous on Dustin Pedroia. He's right. definitely more like 5'9". He was 5'7". He was a baseball 5'9", so he was, like, 5'7". Yeah. But, yeah. like, you know, but Ernie Banks was 5'8", so, like, who gives a shit, you know? Yeah, no, short men can succeed well in this sport. Yeah. He best proves that at 5'10", which is, yeah. I think, also generous. Yeah, I... Yeah, it, it, it is a baseball, but you know what? He can dunk too. So like, whatever, Mookie. Mookie like, Betts you, is just an extreme athlete. So yeah, like, he, he probably really snowboard without ever actually taking lessons in snowboarding. It's like oh yeah, I think he's the kind of person that could probably succeed. Like, it's like, do we think he's good enough to be in the NBA? Who the hell knows? Would he have been good enough to be in the NFL? Who the hell knows? But I mean, if he focused all of his attention on that thing, then yeah, probably. I mean, the man's like bold to three hundred, like. <laughs> yeah, no, he's done professional bowling while being a baseball player. Like, yeah. you know, he's a man of many. I do. I really like. It's easy to be just like uh, Mookie sucks. You like? I, I really like Mookie. I really do. I still. I mean, he do. doesn't still, suck, so it's in, yeah. it's invalid to say that. You can be upset that you think that like this generational player. I think in my heart of hearts, and the only thing that hurts me, it's not the trade, it's not this. I don't think he wanted to be here. I don't think he and did either. And that hurts me a little as, like, a fan and a love of this team. But, like, a part of me has to get over it. And it's, like, to say, oh, Mookie Betts not. Like, you can't because it's you're it's not factual. <laughs> Boston's not. It's just not going to be for everyone. No, That's of course. The thing. Like, I would hate to have to deal with if I'm, like, just, like, the Dan Shaughnessy's of the world. Oh, the people yeah. that go to the... I don't know, like, there's a reason that Boston has the reputation it does if you're a black player. Like, it's, you know, it's not the easiest place to play, and Mookie seems like a very low-key, mellow kind of guy who, like, and it's, like, funny, like, like, that you say that with L.A., like, well, yeah, but that's, that's Hollywood, but it's like, yeah, but also, like, they don't give a shit about him. No, he's on the they street. don't Like, care. if he's, like, he's not gonna, nobody's gonna be reporting on what he's doing at, like, two in the morning after a game, you know? Yeah. Like, there are definitely Dodger fans, but for the most part, because of traffic, these fans are out by the seventh. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, there's certain things that you just like, I, I, I know there's a girl that I work with right now that I found out that she's a huge Dodger fan. And I'm like, honestly, you're like the first one. Like, I, I can tell you, people yeah. that I've at least interacted with aren't big on baseball. And like, I've said the same thing with like Mike Trout. Mike Trout can walk around Anaheim and nobody's going to know who this is. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is another random white boy. And that, that appeals to some people, you know, it's, it really, like, so I don't, I honestly, I, you know where I thought Mookie was going to end up before he was with the Dodgers? I thought he was going to go to the Cardinals. That would have been interesting. Well, because big, he's from big Tennessee. Big base, too, though. Yeah, but they, they're good to their players, though. Or the like, Braves. Braves you know, could have been, I didn't think. I didn't think the Braves were going to want to pay for him. So no, I thought I that was with Acuna and Freeman hitting free agency. I thought that that was going to be um, not something that was in the cards. But I thought, yeah, I thought the Cardinals uh, made sense for him. Yeah. But, I mean, the Dodgers probably – the Dodgers kind of make stupid sense. And they, yeah. they paid for it. Um, he was their first huge signing, as we said earlier. So we'll yeah. see what the Dodgers do. I mean, it's not like – Andrew Freeman's a genius – Doing the turn, the tur- trade for Turner, and then just being like, "Bye bye, Seager," because we have Trey Turner. Like it's, it's like fuck you. Like yeah. is how I feel. Fuck you. Andrew. Yeah. But no, that was. A- <laughs> Do you feel like they didn't really give up that much on that trade either? Like they did give up some. Uh, they gave up their one too, though. They gave up jo- Josiah Gray, right? 
But because then of they, Josiah Gray and Kaybert Ruiz. so good, it doesn't matter, is how yeah. I feel. Because Kaybert Ruiz, they already have freaking Will Smith. They yeah. don't need, and then they already have depth behind him too, even yeah. for catching. So you can give up your number one catching prospect, and the pitching is not an issue for them either. They have Dustin May coming back. Yeah. They have uh, Urias. Like, so. I don't want to say it. Like, <laughs> they have another two years of Trevor Bauer. Yeah, then they have Trevor Bauer that they're going to pay out the ass for, and I hope he sucks absolute <laughs> shit. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the Dodgers are fine. The Dodgers are more than fine, and it's because Friedman turned their farm system into a factory. That's mm-hmm. what we need. We need a factory farm system that you can then do all of this and not care. Like, you can get rid of your top prospects because you have ones that could even be better waiting. Yeah. Yeah. They got to come out of your system, you know? No, absolutely. Homegrown players. With the Red Sox, they have to, um, they have to figure out how to develop pitching because, um, and you know, this is just like, I'm doing, I'm in the process of doing like the, the Sox prospect 60 where it's like every day we tweet out the next oh, person cool. on the list. And it's like, mm-hmm. none of them are pitching. Pitching's not. So I, to this day, we still get a lot of people, whatever you bring up the Francie Cordero, they're like, Oh, I've got, uh, I got swindled on that trade. And it's like, Francie wasn't the guy they got. It was Josh Winkowski that they got. Who's like, you know, one of the best pitching prospects of the system right now. Is he, like, amazing? No, he's a potential back-end starter. But that's how low-level the, the the prospect the pitching prospects are right now. It's like Winkowski and Jake Room. And you don't have anybody, like, Connor Siebold and Cutter Crawford are not guys that are going to carry your rotation. They're guys no. that can make a start when they need to for you. They can need innings for you, but there isn't, the closest they have to a game changer right now is Brian Bello, and he's probably going to have to be a reliever, you know? Mm-hmm. They have Wilhelmin yeah. Gonzalez down at uh, Salem, but he's 19, so who knows what's going to happen with his development. It's really hard to gauge that um, this early. They sure didn't draft any pitching. Yeah. You're right. It, it's been it's been an issue since, like, John Lester Clay Buckles. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox don't really historically – I don't think that there's really been a time in their franchise. Like, yes, there are guys like Roger Clemens. But Clemens... That might be, like, it. If we think of... Like, when you're thinking of, like, surefire, you know, outside of, like, steroids, surefire Hall of Famer, like, goddamn ace. That might be the only one that they've had from developing. Which is crazy, versus you get, like, Cleveland, that they're just a goddamn factory. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh, yeah. I want the cle- I want I want a pitching factory. I mean, we've been really great with developing. You think about it in 2018, the entire outfield was homegrown. Now you have Xander Bogarts homegrown. You have Rafael Devers homegrown. You had Dustin Pedroia homegrown. Like you, you, they're really good at doing the homegrown talent and winning with homegrown talent. But yeah, pitching, starting pitching. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be getting another wave of homegrown talent, too, I think. Because I really, I really genuinely believe that Cassis and York are the real deal. And, oh, you know, I mean. I'm so excited. Yeah. Every, no. Yeah. Everybody's, like, hot on Mayer, but he's still a few years away. Oh, he's got to yeah. figure out his defense. So, and, you know, he's, like, 18. So, like, yeah, he's going to a few years away. But Cassis is going to be up by the end of the year. And yeah. I don't, York is the kind of guy who could move really quickly. If he gets to double A and he's hitting there, 
they'll find he might not play second base in the majors. They might use him as like a left fielder or something like that to start. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be he's one of these guys who's just going to be a professional hitter, I think. So I'm so impressed yeah. with just everything that he did last year. I'm really excited to see where he ends up in 2022. Yeah, I mean, we've been on for like an hour and a half. Now. Yeah, it's too long for a podcast. Sorry, guys, if you got this yeah. far, thank you for uh, for listening to us effectively jerking off to our favorite players yes. for the yes. last hour. Thank you um, so much. Thank you. Like so much. it. I, it's nice to have something like this, though, where you can just be happy about the, you know, the player. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be happy to to get to real baseball. Maybe it'll be next week. Who who knows? Yes, fingers crossed that we're going to get some baseball soon. So that's what we're trying to go for. And thank you once again. Please like us, subscribe to us, interact with us, uh, do it all. We appreciate it. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we'll see you. Uh, We'll see you next week. Uh, we've got, we've got a guest we, uh, for next week. It's going to be Ryan Brady from uh, Pesky Report talking to us about some old man baseball shit. So that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, it'll be a little, a little different perspective. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll be, it'll be good. We'll see you guys. Uh, see you guys next time. Bye.